my little suitcase. Band, you've been sensational. Thank you so much. You can grab your seat, give your band a big clap. Bring my little prop up here. This is uh, my trusty suitcase. This is my trusty suitcase, and I, uh, with one part of my responsibilities, I travel uh, around Australia a bit, overseeing churches. So you know, I'm probably on four to six flights each month to different parts of Australia. And uh, one of the things that happens when you go through security about to hop on an aeroplane is they always ask and check, "What if you, you got everything legitimate on board?" Right, Michael, who's a pilot, have you got the right things on board? Because we don't want to blow up the plane because you bought whatever it might be. And so I went through uh, somewhat, uh, a um, security this week, and as I was going through, as a seasoned traveler, I always keep my aerosol cans in the outside so that I can get, grab them really quickly. And, uh, and I found a particularly um, proficient security guard as I pulled out uh, my, my deodorant and I pulled out my, um, my shaving cream and put them there. And he looks at my deodorant can, and this is the same deodorant can, well, not the same one, but the same sort that I've had in airports all around Australia for years. And he looks at it, he says, sir, you can't take this on the aeroplane. You have to leave that behind. And, you know, on the inside of me, I, I like, well, mate, I, d I did say it. Was, I, was, I was trying, I'm a pastor, and I was, you know, I was there on pastoral duties and was trying to keep in touch with my inner Christian. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, mate, I've taken this to every airport around Australia, and I've never had a problem with it. And he's like, sir, you can't turn it off properly. You'll have to leave that behind. And I'm like, just took a big deep breath and he's just doing his job he's being very efficient and I and he said a few other things and I was like pushed down that thing inside of me that wanted to flare up and I'm like okay he's doing his job and he's got safety at mind all right he's got that's what he's looking he's looking after our safety so I left it behind I went and I, I thought good happy thoughts towards him and I got on my plane and I got home and realized that my my favorite type of deodorant might have to get a change for when I'm traveling and and, you know, I'm a Brute 33 guy. I've been using it, like, for 20 years. And uh, so I might have, maybe there's a spray can. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You've got to leave that behind. And th this, this month we're starting a series called The Ghosts of Christmas Past. And each Sunday morning we'll be uh, speaking out of, around this topic, The Ghosts of Christmas Past. And this morning, uh, because I realize in this season, Christmas magnifies things. Christmas magnifies the feelings that we've got. So if we're in a great season of life and love our family and it's joyous, then Christmas magnifies that. Uh, if we're stressed and worn down and there's all these extra things to happen, Christmas magnifies that. If there's been pain or loss or grief in our hearts, uh, and particularly as we're coming into Christmas without, without um, f friends that we've, we've grown up with and loved and there's a sense of pain, Christmas magnifies the pain. If there's tension and stress in our relationship, Christmas magnifies that. And so this morning I want to talk about the ghosts of Christmas past and how maybe there's some things that we've been carrying with us, maybe for a year, maybe we've been carrying them with us for years, but the title of this morning's message is, You'll Have to Leave That Behind. You'll have to leave that behind. Maybe just turn to your neighbor and say, You'll have to leave that behind. Maybe there's been some things that have gone on in your life that are causing you pain, causing uh, around your world there to be some negativity. In my, uh, this morning, I want to talk not just about that you'll have to leave that behind, but how you can leave that behind. You see, Christmas uh, brings up these moments and you get together with Uncle Fred 
and you've had issues with Uncle Fred for the last seven years. Uncle Fred comes to your house, but he never lifts a finger to help out. He stays for days and days and eats all your food and gives nothing in return. And he doesn't help. And everyone, when you get up from the table to do the dishes and the food that's prepared, he doesn't help. And you've developed an attitude to Uncle Fred and he's coming. Can I tell you this morning that attitude? You'll have to leave that behind. Maybe there's been someone around your life and all they do all the time is, is whinge about what's not right, what's not working. And you, can, you just know, you can almost feel the negativity coming to Christmas lunch. And you're, you're already preparing yourself to, you know, you're rehearsing your lines to shut them down. No, 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 no. You'll have to leave that behind. You can't, that, you can't take that on this Christmas plane with you. Maybe you've got a, a relative who's a classic one-upper. And they're like, how's your year been? And you're sharing a great highlight. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but I had this. It's like they one-up your story every time. I don't know if you've got a relative like that, but you're just, and you're ready to, you're kind of preparing. You've got this angst on the inside. You'll just have to leave that behind. It cannot come on this flight with you. It could damage the other people on the flight. So I want to talk this morning around this topic. You'll have to leave that behind. How do, how do we do it? How do we, how do we process? Because uh, if you've been around church for a little while, or if you're, if you're a Christian, you'll understand if you get into a, a church that has a, a faith atmosphere, an upbeat atmosphere, an atmosphere that looks at the Word of God that's filled with promises. And we believe these promises of God, the things that I've already talked about, that God wants to be our Savior, our Deliverer, our Healer. He wants to heal our broken heart. He wants to heal our physical body. He wants to restore our relationships. He wants to be our provider. And we're in a faith atmosphere. We hang on to the promises of God and we believe the promises of God. And we, we, we create that atmosphere all the time. But we know when you've been in that place and if you read the Bible, that there are examples of people like God's children of, of Israel who he bought out of slavery. They were slaves in Egypt. He bought them out of slavery. He was planning to take them into a promised land, but they spent years in the wilderness because of one main thing. They were whingers. They complained. So God bought them out of slavery. They no longer had to make mud bricks. They no longer had to just eat, you know, old slave food. They were going into a great place, but it took a bit longer than they thought. They came into some hardships and they began to grumble. They began to whinge about God. They began to whinge about Moses. They began to look at their past and say, maybe that was better. And they developed, instead of a spirit of faith to take them into their future, they developed a complaining spirit. So if you've been around church for a while, you've heard that, and we can get the idea, okay, I, can't, I just can't be a grumbler. I can't be a complainer. So then what happens is we get into this tension place because stuff happens. Things go wrong. We don't always, our experience doesn't always match up to what we know God's Word says, and, and that can be perplexing and that can be difficult. Uh, we can experience uh, little annoying things like our deodorant being taken off us, or we can experience major betrayals and pain and grief and loss, all of which can build up on the inside. And if we're not careful, if we don't process it properly, we'll find ourselves with this, with this pain on the inside that we're carrying and it's affecting the way we see life. It's affecting the way we relate to others. It's affecting the, the way we talk. It's, the, it's affecting the way we see our future. And it will cause us pain. And if we don't deal with it properly the way God intends us to, it will actually eventually cause us to sink. You'll have to leave that behind. 
When Danielle was pregnant with our third child, with Gemma, uh, she was two weeks overdue. And on the, uh, the day before she was due to, to be induced, uh, which she wasn't keen on, to be induced to have the baby, uh, she got a, a, a craving. Uh, and, and if you're a, a husband here and your wife's ever been pregnant or, or been pregnant, you'll understand that when a pregnant woman has a craving, then it, it doesn't matter how logical or illogical it is, it's just legitimate. So if she wants uh, bread that was cooked in Townsville tomorrow with sardines and honey mixed together, if that's what she wants, totally legitimate totally okay whatever she wants so danielle fortunately for me had a craving for jamaican truffle log now i'm not sure if you've ever heard of jamaican truffle log but it's like chocolate layers and sponge layers and cream and it's this this delightful thing and so she she has this this craving so of course being a good husband i'm like absolutely let's go and find some jamaican truffle log so we go down to caloundra and we go through a few restaurants we get into this place and we find uh th this place with delightful jamaican truffle log sit down to eat it and then this waft comes across the room this unpleasant smell a little bit like sometimes when you turn up the church and the sewage farm wind is blowing the wrong way like it was this morning horrible some of you thought that was the stewards it wasn't the stewards it's actually from over there all right just so we're all knowing all right and so so this waft just comes just every and like what is that and you're sort of looking a little suspiciously at the other customers in the store what's going on and you know in that sort of moment you, you know your wife pulls out the perfume sprays it a little bit to try and get rid of the smell but doesn't and that lasts for 30 seconds and then another waft and we look around so eventually i go i go on duty to try and find what's the problem i'm looking around looking around and i find over behind our table at some plants behind us uh is not jamaican truffle log but another kind of log that's been deposited there not sure an animal or a child but anyway let's just say it wasn't a pleasant experience and I went and I talked to the owners of the cafe and I said uh, there's something out here that shouldn't be out here can you deal with it not sure if you smelt it or not but anyway and they came and they got it and they got rid of it and when they got rid of it uh, the aroma went quickly and the atmosphere changed okay everybody say you've got to leave that behind <laughs> You've got to leave that behind. And so I realized, I realized there's something that, that happens in our life. When bad stuff happens, just being positive and pretending bad stuff didn't happen might mask the smell for a little bit. But if you don't get rid of the source of the smell or the pain, doesn't matter how much positive vibes you spray, you're going to still have the same problem. The deal is you've got to get rid of the core problem out of you and so it works like this many of us have had uh, difficult circumstances disappointments things that went wrong things we believed that maybe would go better and they didn't go better and they can get that disappointment can lodge itself on the inside of us or maybe it's a relationship maybe it's a person who's genuinely betrayed or hurt or let us down or disappointed us and 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 that pain can get lodged on the inside of us it's very natural the difficulty can be some people cannot deal properly with that pain and spend the next 20 years 30 years 40 years having the aroma of that pain around their life and actually causing a filter that affects every relationship and God's got a way for us to deal with that 
in, and it's in the Bible, and I want us to look at it today. It's three simple things that I want to talk about this morning. I'll tell you them now, and then we'll look at them together. The first one is release the bad. Release the bad. The second one is remember the good. And the third one is turn up your thankfulness. Release the bad. Remember the good. Turn up your thankfulness, okay, to deal with these things, these pain. It might be with God. It might be with circumstances that you're facing or faced. It might be with people who are close to your relationships uh, at all levels of pain. Now, interestingly, if you've developed that, we can't complain about God mindset. That's good. It's actually good to, to work on being a positive person, creating a positive atmosphere. But what we've got to realize is when there's something painful that's lodged in our heart, we can't ignore it. We need to deal with it. Habakkuk chapter 2 is one of the prophets in the Old Testament. It's one of the books of the Old Testament. And Habakkuk uh, gives us an example of how to deal with a problem. Um, if you know the scriptures, you may have heard of the scripture before. Where it says, write down the vision and make it plain that he who reads it might run with it. So we get this idea that uh, Habakkuk's going to hear something from God, needs to write it really clear. Well, the concept, if we open up to chapter 2, verse 1 in the NLT, it says this, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. You see, in the, in the chapter previous, Habakkuk has spent some time going, God, you've forsaken us. God, we're in turmoil. God, our, our whole country, our nation is under pressure. It looks like you've left us behind. He gives one complaint to God. God answers him in chapter one. Then he gives another complaint to God. And then he makes that verse. He says, I'm going to stand. I'm going to wait and let you speak to me about my complaint. The difference between what Habakkuk is doing and what some other people in the Bible do and the children of Israel is the children of Israel in the wilderness whinged about God. They complained about their circumstances and they declared and accused God behind his back, if you like, of not caring. And that grumbling spirit that wasn't out of relationship with God, but was just about him, caused them to shut down faith and miss their, their destiny. But there's a difference between complaining about God and bringing your complaint to God. And Habakkuk shows us that that's a legitimate thing. In fact, if you read Psalms, if you get into your Bible, in Psalms, there's a number of different writers. David is, is one of them. Uh, there's, there's music directors of Israel. There's different people have recorded uh, the Psalms. They're like poems. They were to be read out or sung out loud. And these Psalms, there's 150 of them. More than a third of them are called Psalms of Lament. Lament meaning psalms of complaint, psalms of difficulty, psalms of, 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 of um, difficult circumstances. There's even a book in the Bible called Lamentations. Sometimes we can get the idea, if I speak, if I speak negatively about my circumstances, I'm going to short-circuit the miracle. And I understand the power of faith, but here's the thing. When you've got a circumstance that's causing you pain and difficulty, God knows it. You can't trick God. He's aware of it. And if you're expressing it to him from your heart, uh, he's not going to fall off his throne. I once had a, a pastor come here. His name's Simon McIntyre. This would be tw maybe 20 years ago. And he came to our church and he taught us this whole idea about learning to complain to God and be honest with God. He called it the swear way to heaven. 
And he said, you know, sometimes you feel so passionately about something, uh, you, you let it out and there's some words that maybe aren't recorded in the Bible and you don't want your children to hear you saying. But he says, when God hears it, he's not going to fall off his throne. He actually wants you to be real and raw in relationship with him, to get it out there and talk to him about it. And so part of the process this is the, that we're talking about here is release the bad, release the bad, release the bad. How do you release the bad? Well, the Psalms are great. The Psalms are examples of where people like David literally wrote the bad out in a letter to God. And in the process of the writing out, it was like this stuff that was locked up in the soul as being expressed in words, and it's the poison that's trapped inside is being let out. That might be, you might be a writer. You might, be a, you, you might find talking to a trusted friend the best way to do this. Maybe talking to a counselor, talking to, to someone uh, you know who's going to be able to listen and not judge you as you talk out the pain or the difficulty. Release the bad. A psalm, just a great example, Psalm 77. More than a third of the psalms are this type of psalm. This is by uh, Asaph, who was the music director for their church at that point, the, the, all of Israel. And he writes this psalm, I think of God and I moan. Okay, there, where's that positive confession, Asaph? How's that going, brother? He's like, no, no. Uh, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I am too distressed even to pray. We don't know what's going on, what sort of turmoil, if it's sickness, if it's family trouble, if it's financial pressure. We don't know if he's got leprosy. We don't know if, if their city's under attack. We don't know if it's a famine. We don't know what it is. But he's expressing the lament of his heart. I'm too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days long since gone sounds like a Carlton supporter but that's okay moving on I think of the good uh, when my nights were filled with joyful songs I search my soul and ponder the difference I used to sing and be so things were so good they're not now God he's not complaining about God he's talking to God he's expressing it has the Lord rejected me forever will he never again be kind to me brutal is his unfailing love gone forever? You notice at this point, you're like, some of us are thinking, where's the lightning strike that takes him out? No, no, no. God loves it when you're real and raw to him, out of a relationship with him. Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate. The most high has turned his hand against me. Just stop there for a moment. So he, he's expressed, he's releasing the bad. I, for me, a number of years ago, I, I lost someone, a uh, family member who I'd loved, and I, I've just found myself in reflection, just thinking about them. But what would come up for me mostly would be negative. And it would be, if it was a couple of years down the track, and I, whenever I'd think of this person, it's negative. I'm like, oh this is not good I'm like I'm, I've got I'm obviously harboring stuff on the inside so I decided what I needed to do and this works for me I, I, I like to write so I, I got a letter out and I began to write a letter to that person and to God and I began to write the, the things that I loved about that person but I also began to write about these things that were just obviously stuck in my soul and as I wrote it, I felt that, that cathartic experience with God of the pain leaving my soul 
And then, then what began, as I got it out, as I got it out, sometimes as you get it out, you start to realize, you start to go, oh, I realize why that person was like this. I start to think about their experiences, their upbringing, their pain, what's going on in their life. You may have heard the expression, hurt people hurt people. And when people have had pain in their life, it often goes forward. A friend of mine uh, says, says it like this. It's a little bit different. But they says, before you criticize someone, walk a mile in their shoes. Then when they realize you're criticizing them, you'll be a mile away and you can run. No, no, anyway, that's just, that's just what, that's, that's just, maybe that's just, I'm not sure if that's going to help you today. But empathy is understanding the pain that people have gone through and beginning to see it a different way. And that's what writing will help you do. Release the bad. Before those, those family members come for Christmas, maybe you need to write them a letter. Not that you give them, just to be clear. But maybe you burn, maybe whatever it is. Maybe you see someone, you talk it out so that you've released the bad from the inside. It's, this is how we can leave that behind. Release the bad. The second thing is remember the good. If we go to the next verse here, a Asaph makes a transition. He said all of that negative stuff. I'm forsaken. I'm without you. Many of the Psalms of lament have this same vibe. And then he says, but then I recall all you've done. Then I recall, all, I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. This is the second part of how we leave stuff behind. I release the bad. I get it out of my soul. I, I, you know, sometimes, uh, literally, you've got to imagine coming to church going, I've got all this baggage from that, this relationship, from this pain, and God, I'm going to leave the baggage behind. I'm giving it to you, and I'm not going to pick it up again. I'm going to leave it on the altar. I'm going to leave it at the foot of the cross, Jesus. You forgave them. I'm forgiving them, and I'm letting it go. And then you move into a different zone. I remember. God, I remember the good things. Remember the good things about that person. You'll find if you think about it and pray about it, once you've got the pain out, you'll be able to find the good in every circumstance and the good in every person. And you begin as you do that to, to reflect. And you know what will be quite amazing is God will help you. See, in that psalm, Asaph went on and he talked about the good things that God had done in his life. But he talked about the good things that God had done for his nation. You delivered us from slavery. You opened up the Red Sea. You did amazing things for us. And it's, it's a picture for you and I as Christians that Jesus delivered us from slavery at the cross. He paid a price for our sins. And it's, it's this matter of lifting up our eyes and beginning to see, He's made a way for me to be forgiven. He's forgiven those people. And as I lift up my eyes, I realize I've got so much to be grateful for. I remember the good. Uh, over 10 years ago, we had an experience here in church where, where someone uh, in our church who got really close to me, uh, earned my trust, became a friend, but then ended up turning on me and backstabbing me to a number of people. Poisoned a number of people against Danielle and I and against the church. And it was a very difficult and painful season for us. And after a couple of years, uh, I, I, you know, I felt, as, even as I was praying, I felt I've got this pain inside of me and it's not healthy. I'll see people through distrust if I don't get this out of me. I'll, I'll, I'll second guess people's motives if I don't get this out of me. God, help me get rid of it. And so I began to write a letter to this person as I wrote this letter before God. And I, and I just, I talked about the, the bad stuff, the things that had happened. Then I reflected on maybe the things that had happened to them that had caused them to behave like that. And then I began to reflect on the good things and thank God for the good things. And it was, it was a raw letter. 
No one saw it. I, I didn't post it. Uh, it was a raw letter, but it got, you know, David writes some raw letters. David writes, there's one of his letters and it says, you were my loyal friend. We ate together and then you turned on me. And then God smite him, oh mighty smiter. Those sort of words, that, that sort of the rawness of that relationship that he's getting it out. And so I did that, and, and then I, I found I began to focus on some good things. Now you know what? Now eight years after writing that letter, when I think of that person, I have a predominant memory, and the predominant memory is being here building the church, and this particular guy rocking up early, and I hadn't asked him to do this, is rocking up early with a cup of coffee for me thoughtful thinking about me and loyal now if those of you know me good coffee is going to help cover a lot of sins really <laughs> that, that covers a lot of things all right but in that that now that's my predominant relationship i can think of that person without pain i can think of that person with you know i can remember facts but i've chosen to leave them behind but the exercise of letting go of the bad and remembering the good means that the good is in the forefront of my mind the good is my memory. My good no longer, the bad is no longer poisoning me to him or to anybody else. That's, what, that's why Jesus says, he says, I'll forgive you as you forgive others. It'll keep your soul clean. The last part of this is, okay, we release the bad. Remember the good. Remember the good. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1, and it's this. It's turn up your thankfulness. Turn up your thankfulness. Timothy is a young pastor in the New Testament. The church is about 60,000 people, we're told, in the city of Ephesus. Massive church. Uh, Timothy is thought to be in his early 20s. Paul has left him behind to be the pastor of this church. He gives him instructions through the book of Timothy about how to treat the people in this church and not to let them run over the top of him. He says that you're to command people and do this and you're to be, be wary of people who are going to try and take the church out and distract the church. And, but this is his, his first instruction is to him is I urge you first of all, Timothy, to pray. Prayer is the starting place. In any, whenever you've got a sphere of responsibility, uh, those who are dedicating your babies today, the first place is to pray for them. Pray for them, pray for them. That's the starting place of any responsibility. He says, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Timothy, if you're going to lead people, the way to do it is by starting with thankfulness. Turn up the thankfulness. Those people who are whinging about you being the young leader and you're the pastor and they wanted to be the pastor, Timothy, give thanks for them. Those people who are, who are undermining your authority, give thanks for them. Give, just be thankful because an attitude of gratitude will bring the presence of God into your life. Can I encourage you, in, in addition to what you're leaving behind through processing things with God coming into Christmas, in addition to remembering the good, the things that are good, you'll, you'll find the Bible tells us to honor our parents. And I know some parents, naturally you'd go, how can I honor them? They did this, this, and this. You'll find if you release the bad, God will help you find some good. And in the honor of, your, the honor of that good, that one thing, those two things, even if it's intention, even if it's intention, you'll find that God will come in and then here's what you do. Just begin every day. God, I thank you. I thank you for that person. Maybe there's someone annoying coming your way this Christmas. Get on the front foot and start thanking God for them every day. God, I just thank you for them. I thank you they're in my life. 
God, I thank you. You'll find that when thankfulness is the air conditioner of your soul and it will get negative thoughts out and you'll, you'll find if you develop a thankful attitude, maybe it's someone at your work who's annoying you. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. Whatever it is, if you just start praying for them and being thankful, you'll find the grace of God will come into your life and things will shift and you'll, you'll get freer. You'll get lighter. Joy will come your way and the presence of God will come into your world. You can leave that.